The Friends of Israel is giving away a special book all month long as we celebrate our radio program being on the air for 25 years. Hey everyone, I'm Chris Katolka, host of the Friends of Israel today, and sitting across from me is our executive producer, Steve Conover. Hi Chris, I've been blessed to be part of the program for many years, and it holds a special place in my heart, partly because our content fills a void on Christian radio. The Friends of Israel today has always brought unique insights into the Bible and Israel, by connecting Christians to the Jewish roots of their faith. You know, it's the same reason I love the program as well, Steve. So, to celebrate, we are giving away a very special book for a limited time, The Future by Jerusalem-based pastor Menno Kalisher. Let me tell you, after reading this book, you'll have a clear understanding of two often misunderstood books of the Bible— Daniel and Revelation. That's our gift to you as we celebrate 25 years on the air. Request your free copy of the book, The Future, by Menno Kalisher. Visit foiradio.org or call us at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. We'll have more to say about this free, limited-time offer later. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. This week, Chris begins a series on Passover as we'll look at one of the elements of the Passover Seder. We're also excited to have Steve Herzig on the program. Chris and Steve will take an in-depth look at some of the biblical themes of Passover, and later, apples of gold. Stay with us. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the program This is going to be an exciting show because this weekend marks the beginning of Passover for our Jewish friends all around the world. Um, Remember, Passover is a yearly celebration that reminds the Jewish people of God's amazing act in freeing the Israelites from the bondage of Egyptian slavery. And at the end of Exodus 12, which is where we get the story of, of Passover, at the end of Exodus 12, God tells the Israelites to remember Passover every year, to commemorate it, to commemorate this moment in time so that the Israelites would never forget. So through a divine imperative, Jewish people, more than 3,500 years later, after the actual Passover, are still celebrating the, the story, still celebrating how God acted in freeing them from Egypt through the Ten Plagues. And, you know, I often wonder what it would have been like if God didn't demand the Jewish people to celebrate Passover yearly. Anytime I lead a Passover, I always like to ask this question to my audience. I ask them this, how quickly do you think the Israelites would have forgotten Passover, the the day that God freed them from the bondage of Egypt? How long do you think it would have taken? And and I love hearing some responses. Oh, it would have taken a generation, you know, maybe 60 years, maybe 100 years. You know, it's amazing to think that we that the Israelites may have forgotten this amazing moment if God didn't instill the Passover to be celebrated year after year. And you know, the reason I believe God did did this is because I believe we're all, not just Jewish people, we're all forgetful people. We all forget really important things. 
And Passover is a celebration that was designed by God so that the Jewish people would remember. They would remember. They would remember. That's what I say all the time whenever I do a Passover Seder. Remember, remember, remember. Remember that God set them free. Isn't it amazing, too, that the Lord's Supper, the communion service that Christians celebrate, originates from the Passover Seder? And think about the meaning of the Lord's Supper that we take and and why we take it. We take it to, everybody, we take it to remember. We take it to remember the broken body and the shed blood of our Passover lamb, Jesus the Messiah. And think about what we say when we take the Lord's Supper. Do this in remembrance of him. Why? Because my friends... We're all forgetful people, and we forget even the most sacred things. Now, I wish I could do this, but I can't go through the entire Passover Seder with you on air. But I can walk you through one of the elements of the Passover that's connected to the Lord's Supper that we take. Now, the Gospels only show us a specific moment during the Passover meal when Jesus took two of the Passover elements, the bread and the cup, and connected them to his broken body and his blood. The bread and the cup from the Passover will become the two elements Christians will use to remember Christ all throughout church history. But here's something the gospel accounts don't show you. Jesus actually had four cups that night, not just one. The Passover Seder then and now have four cups of wine that are spread throughout the evening. And I always like to say that these cups are like the fence posts of the Passover Seder that guide you through the night. Each cup has a name. Each cup is connected to a section from Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, which are called the I will passages when God says to Moses, I will set my people free from the bondage of Egypt. Not you, Moses. It's not your job to set them free. I will set them free. Now, listen, that's a whole other radio show that I think we should tackle, but what a great reminder that God is the one who does the actions. God is the one who is going to free his people. Moses is just the vessel that God is using. But like I said, we'll have to get to that at another show. So I want to tackle this first cup first. The first cup is called the cup of sanctification. It's connected to a section of Exodus 6, verse 6, which says says this. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. The cup of sanctification reminds the Jewish people that God literally, think about this, literally picked them up and removed them from the world of Egypt the empire of Egypt, into a world of freedom. And when they were set free, when God removed them, God gave them a purpose and set them apart from the rest of the nations of the world. And, you know, and whenever I celebrate Passover as a Christian, I like to stop and think about this cup. And I think about the cup of sanctification and how Christ, think about this, he removed us from the darkness of this world into the kingdom of light. He gave us a new purpose and set us apart to reflect the light of his glory and to become more like him. My friends, this is called sanctification. And this is the cup of sanctification, the first cup. 
The second cup that Jewish people take during the Passover meal is called the cup of praise. It's connected to another section of Exodus 6 verse 6, which says this, and I will deliver you from slavery. I want you to imagine what it would have been like to spend several hundred years in slavery, building another man's kingdom. That's what the Israelites did for the Egyptians. They spent years as slaves building something that wasn't even theirs to enjoy in the end, forced to live a life of bondage. And I'm sure after a couple hundred years of slavery, you'd begin to doubt that God was even hearing your cries anymore. But then God responds, and he hears the cries of his people. He remembers the covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses says that God will deliver you from your slavery. God will deliver you from slavery. This cup is a response to that good news. And you don't just kind of bat your eyes at that statement. I'm sure after several hundred years of slavery, your first response is, everybody, hallelujah. Praise God, the cup of praise. Now, even though we don't take this cup during communion, it has such significance to us as Christians. My friends, we have been set free. We, you know, we were once under the burden of sin, forced to live a life of bondage. But now, through the sacrifice of our Passover lamb, Jesus the Messiah has set us free. He set us free from the bondage and burdens of sins to a life of freedom. I love this, as the book of Hebrews says, that we might serve the living God. We're not free to just do whatever we want. But because of the blood of the lamb, we are now free to serve the living God. So praise God. Hallelujah. Just listen to what Paul says in Romans 6.14. For sin shall not be a master over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. You know, these are the first two cups of the Passover Seder. And next week, I want you to join us again because we're going to look at the last two as we finish our section on Passover. Can you believe the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry has been on the radio for 25 years? So to say thank you to all of our faithful listeners, we're giving a free copy of The Future, Coming Events According to the Scriptures. This book is an absolutely brilliant way to teach Bible prophecy. Designed around colorful drawings, bold graphics, and easy-to-follow timelines, this unique work explains the books of Daniel and Revelation along with other prophetic passages using symbols that separate the futures of Israel, the church, and the nations. We'll be giving away the future for the entire month of April. So to receive your free copy of the future for our 25th anniversary, visit foiradio.org or call 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940.
Today on our short segment, I have the guru of Jewish custom and culture with us, uh, Steve Herzig. Steve, welcome to the program. Good to be with you, Chris. Steve's in studio. Uh, Steve is the North American director of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. And um, Steve, we're going to talk a little bit about Passover. I want to talk about the themes that we can find in Passover. And this week, I want to touch on the theme of faith. But before we get into that, you're a Jewish believer. You grew up in a Jewish family. What was Passover like growing up? Passover was a wonderful time uh, growing up. Uh, Passover signaled spring, although I grew up in Northeast Ohio, and it would usually be snowing at that time. But it's still supposed to be spring, and the family would get together, uh, the whole family. Uh, When I was uh, young, very young, my grandparents were alive, and we would go to their home, and there was a great deal of preparation uh, for the Passover. Spring cleaning was invented by Jews. I don't know if you knew that, Chris. <laughs> I didn't know that. The, actually, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to get rid of all the leaven. Well, if you look through your house and where leaven might be, you might as well do the carpets, the windows, and everything else. So spring cleaning happened. You have to get rid of all the leaven, which means the bread box and the kitchen. It means uh, the refrigerator. So everything was lined with uh, aluminum foil. So, But the family gets together. Uh, you're going to sit there for four hours. Four hours? Uh, four hours, uh, at least four hours, because you've got to tell the whole story. Uh, it's a, a time of celebration. We were slaves in Egypt. Now we're redeemed. We're sitting here, uh, in fact, with pillows behind our back to accentuate the fact that we were slaves at the beck and call of our taskmasters, but now we are free. We can recline the way all the uh, kings and queens long time ago would recline. So the food was fantastic. The fellowship for any family, it's as sweet as it could be, you know, the way it is with cousins and uncles and aunts and discussion and all that, but it was a wonderful time, and it's themed after the redemption story in Exodus. And that's what I want to get to. I want to talk about these themes of faith uh, for this particular uh, segment, and I want to read for you really quick part of the story of the Exodus story from Exodus chapter 12, uh, verses 7 through 11, and it says this, They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. I love this part, Steve. It's the Lord's Passover. And I wanted to talk about this theme of faith. Is faith found in the Passover uh, not only in the biblical story, but also in the celebration of the Passover. Faith is absolutely found in the Passover, Chris. Uh, contextually, you, re- you read from Exodus chapter 12, we need to remember that there were previous, uh, there's previous information before that, which involved nine plagues before this tenth one was being spoken about. And the The children of Israel, who had been sitting under Egyptian rule as slaves for 400 years, had a lot of Egypt in them. And 
with this command as the 10th one to put blood on their doorposts and slay the lamb, they had witnessed nine times when the invisible God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob defeated the false gods of Egypt. And so when God said, take you a lamb and put it on the doorposts, that involved faith. Uh, They didn't exactly know what was going to happen, but they had an indication nine other times of things that would take place. And so at the same time, it took faith because they're going to kill a lamb, they're going to put the blood on the door, they're going to stay inside and eat, and they're going to let God accomplish passing over them. They had to believe that God was going to take care of them. And correct me if I'm wrong, but if a Jewish person didn't put blood, if they didn't believe, if they didn't have faith to put blood on the doorpost and on the lintel, Uh, their fate would be like the rest of the Egyptians who didn't do that, right? It didn't say, when I see the Jewish person, I'll pass over, the Israelite. It didn't say, when I see someone with a sincere heart, someone who tries to be good to his parents, somebody who helps the poor and afflicted. Uh, It had nothing like that. It simply said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over, which means, conversely, that if an Egyptian firstborn, in total ignorance— at least I believe this, and total ignorance would be under the blood of a lamb, and they were firstborn, they would be saved. Because the text says, when I see the blood, I will pass over. That involved faith, and God was the one that accomplished it. So faith, I mean, is such an important part. And it even sounds like with the celebration of Passover, as you did as a, as, as a child with your family growing up, you know, to go through all of the rituals, to go through all of the elements, there, it seems like there's even this anticipation of faith within that as well. Well, contained in the Passover Seder service, Seder means order, contained in that service is a part where we wait for Elijah to come. Elijah's going to come and announce the Messiah's come. We open the door, anticipating he'll be there. We set a place for him. And the belief in the context of the Seder is we are waiting for Elijah to announce the Messiah. And Chris, year after year after year, when I celebrated the Passover, at the conclusion of the Passover, Elijah never came. Uh, And we all said in unison around the table, next year, in every Haggadah around the world, in every language you can imagine, next year in Jerusalem. Amazing. Well, listen, folks, I want to end with this passage from Hebrews 11, uh, 28, where it says this, by faith, he, Moses, by faith, He kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Faith is a major theme found within the story of Passover. Now, listen, if you have ever done a Passover before, if you have ever experienced a Passover, or you just want to comment, I want to encourage you to call 888-343-6940. Leave us a comment on what you think about Passover, what it means to you. And uh, Steve, thank you so much for coming and uh, I look forward to hearing what you have to say next week. Thanks, Chris. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Sfi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Sfi. Sfi. 
My watch stopped running recently, so I took it to a watchman in the ultra-Orthodox section of Jerusalem. Two Hasidic men entered the watchmaker's shop with me and started to speak about their study of the Talmud in the yeshiva. One of the men told the watchmaker, Even if you are on vacation, you must study the great rabbi's books. I listened to them for a long time, and then I decided to enter the conversation. If you are so faithful to God, I commented, you should know that study alone will not get you into heaven. You must bow down on your knees and pray to God. Even after such a brief statement, they all rose against me. What are we Christians that we should bow down? I replied, Was Daniel a Christian when he bowed down three times a day before God? Many times in the Bible our great prophets bowed down before the Lord. David wrote in Psalm ninety five six of co David wrote in Psalm ninety five verse six, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Was David a Christian? And what about you? Anyan Kapoor, you bow down many times and cry, Adonai, Adonai. If, as you say, only Christians bow down to pray, then you are just like them. Never, they shouted. One of the men said, Our rabbi would be able to answer you. I asked, How is it that you have studied all your lives? and yet you cannot give correct answers about your faith? These men displayed all the outward signs of being religious, but they were empty inside. Then they asked, Why do you try to act so religious? We can tell you or not, yet you want us to do what you say? I replied, I have never said you should do as I say. God has told us to obey the law of the Lord and not to follow other gods, but you are wasting your life studying the writings and traditions of men. The watchmaker then said, This reminds me of an occasion a few years ago when a man came into my shop and spoke just like you. He was a missionary. Are you one of them? I told him, I believe in the living God, Messiah ben David. You sing about him every Sabbath, but you do not believe in him in your heart. Did you know the words Messiah and Christ mean the same thing? At this they all jumped around as if they had been bitten by a snake, and they said, This can never be. We will ask our rabbi. I replied, I'll be waiting for his answer. You never know how the Lord will use such a situation. And he has said in Isaiah 55:11 that his word will not return to him void. I pray these men will remember our conversation and turn to the Bible, the true word of God. Mike Kellogg with a dramatic reading from the life of Svi Kalisher. 
These readings are taken from a regular feature in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. If you enjoy Apples of Gold, be sure to sign up for a free one-year trial subscription when you visit foiradio.org. And I'll remind you once more to ask for the limited-time free book offer, The Future, by Menno Kalischer when you call. Our listener line is 888-343-6940, 888-343-6940, or you can write to us at FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099, or simply visit us at foiradio.org. Again, that's foiradio.org. Next week, Chris finishes up his series on Passover as he looks at the last two cups. Our host and teacher is Chris Gatolka. Our associate producer and engineer is Tom Gallion. Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. Bob Eby was our assistant engineer this week. Thanks, Bob. And I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.